This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Is what we call Palm Sunday, and this is the day in which Jesus, he actually came into the city, uh, and before he did, he actually sent a couple of his disciples out, and he said, listen, I want you to go to a certain location. You'll find, uh, you know, uh, a donkey there. She has a, a colt, you know, a young one. Bring that. I'm going to ride it into the city. And he did. And they broke palm branches off of the trees. They took their jackets off. They threw them in the way. That's the kind of thing they would do for royalty when a king was coming. And it was prophesied. And Zechariah, that, uh, you know, behold, a king would come, and he would come into the city on a donkey. Now, interesting, you know, that it was prophesied thousands of years before, and it happened just like the Bible said it was going to happen, you know. And uh, some of those same people who were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, were probably in the crowd a few days later who were saying, crucify him, crucify him, because they anticipated a king who was going to come to put down the aggression of the Romans, you know. And when they found out that he was talking about a kingdom of another world, eh, they wasn't too interested in it any, any longer. Uh, there was a guy I was reading about who's very much involved in uh, livestock, animals, you know, of all kinds. And uh, he was a writer himself. And uh, when he heard that Jesus had... Uh, you know, coming to the city on a colt that had never been ridden before, and it was totally under control. It was gentle and mild and all. He said, well, if Jesus can bring that animal under control, well, then he can bring me under control. You know, that's what he was saying, and he accepted Christ into his life. But um, why did Jesus come? Why did he come in this world in the first place, you know? Because he loved us, because he wanted to set you and me free from the sin that bound us, that held us down, that caused us to continually disobey him. But Jesus came, he left his riches and glory. And the, the Bible says he left it all behind and he came here because he wanted you to belong to him. You know, he wanted to love you and set you free. And that's exactly what he did. He came for that reason out of love and compassion for you and for me and to set us free. Um, I'd like to I'll read something in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Actually, I read this passage last week. And it says, so we praise God for the glorious grace, and we understand grace is his enabling power. And there's areas of our life where we might struggle with and, and we can't quite get it done, you know, but grace, he enables us. Or uh, I can do all things through um, Christ who strengthens me. And he says here, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. We're accepted, you know, because of what Christ has done for us. We were so important that he left it all behind to come here for you. If it, you was the only person on this planet, he would have come just for you. And he came for us all. He really did. An article I came across, some statistics that are pretty amazing when you think about them. Every human being needs at least one close friend. How many of you have at least one? At least one. Okay. About half of you? Okay. All right. We'll work on that, okay? said, so every human being needs at least one close friend. That's what most studies show. It's important for our health and our happiness. According to current research, having friends is good for our immune system. Would you like your immune system to be really good, to fight against any kind of sickness and disease that comes against you? People who have friends are sick less often than those who have no friends. 
They live longer, those who have friends, and they are happier. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? If, if your life depended on it, which maybe it does, how many of you think that you could make at least one friend before the day's over? I think we all could. You could probably make a friend before you leave the building here. Probably. It's a good place and good candidates to choose from. But when you're on your way, stop at a grocery store, pump some gas, taking a walk in the park, you know. Uh, we could make a friend if we wanted to, and it doesn't just benefit them, it benefits us. You're healthier, you're happier, your immune system is, is tweaked, you know, to perfection just by understanding this friendship thing and belonging, belonging to God and belonging to the, the body of Christ. Um, you know, there's a story in the Bible in, in the book of Luke. It tells us about uh, the Samaritan, and he's coming down this trail, and he, he finds a, a guy who had been passing through. He'd gotten beat up by a bunch of thugs, you know, who had beat him up and left him, as the scripture says, half dead on the side of the road. They'd stole all of his possessions, even the clothes he was wearing. And uh, this tells us what happened here. So here comes a Samaritan. We know him as what kind of Samaritan? The good Samaritan. We know this, this is what he is called because he comes by. And let me pick up here in Luke chapter 10, verse 33. It says, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition... His heart went out to him. Does your heart go out to people? You read an article, you read a story, you see something in the news, you hear about what happened in another part of the, the, the country or something or another. You know, even in your own community, maybe in your own, you know, sphere of influence, your family and all, does our heart really genuinely go out to people? Jesus' heart went out to us. That's why he came home. You know, what we call Palm Sunday, he was going into the city. He went in through the sheep gate. That was where all the sheep that had been sacrificed, you know, he went in through there to be the final, the last lamb that would ever be slain, you know, of, as far as being needed to be because he didn't cover our sins. He washed them away. He came because he loved us because his heart went out to us. And it says here in this passage, it says... Um, and it was verse 33, a Samaritan traveling on the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 21, it says, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, our, our heart follows our treasure. And the Samaritan, what he valued what he treasured was people. And his heart went out to this man who would probably be dead if he was left there for the rest of the day in the hot sun, the cold of night, laying on the ground, hypothermia, maybe wild animals, maybe more bandits coming by. Who knows? But his heart went out to him because he valued people. Your treasure will, you know, indicate, I mean, your heart's going to go there. It will attract your heart, the thing that you value, most of all. And it says in verse 34, it says, uh, going back to uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 34, it says, he gave him first aid. Is first aid important? You know what? Uh, we've got some guys who've helped us in this last couple of years. we got first aid kits all over the building. Great big first aid kits. Got everything in them. You know, upstairs, downstairs, in the blue house, we have all these first aid kits because there's times when we need it, you know. Well, it says here, this Samaritan gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds, and then he lifted him up onto his donkey and led him to an inn. Now, it's interesting, I was thinking about this, is that when uh, Joseph and Mary were going to Bethlehem to pay their taxes and all, you remember how Mary got there? On the back of a donkey. You remember that? You know, if you couldn't find any room in the inn. Anyhow, Jesus was inside her at that point in time. Now, Jesus, as he's coming into the city, he's riding on a colt of a donkey. And now we see 
these donkeys are, are being used all throughout the Bible, we see this Samaritan, he gets off of his own animal, and he takes this guy who is half dead, he bandages him up, he puts him on his own donkey, he leads the donkey along, you know, to where he's going to go. And it says, he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds, then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn. And, and the end is pr pretty much a type of the church, the New Testament church in our day and time now. And, and he said he, he took him to this inn and he made him comfortable. And in the morning he took out two silver coins and he gave him to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll, I'll pay you on my way back. So we see here this guy, he couldn't take care of the guy on his own, but he made sure the innkeeper and those who worked there would take care of him. And then Jesus says, he says, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? Remember, it was a religious guy they called a Levite. He came by. You know, his heart didn't go out to the man. His head did. His curiosity went out. You know, it's like, oh, what's going on over here? He might have been thinking, I ain't never seen a dead guy. I wonder what he looks like. You hear he's dead? Oh, no, he's breathing. Maybe he was looking to see if there's any other valuables laying around. I don't know. But his heart didn't go out to him because he didn't stop and help him at all. He went on his merry way. And a priest came, and he, you know, he was kind of looking a little bit too. He went to the other side of the road. You know, I don't want to touch him. I'll be ceremonially unclean. I won't be able to minister if I touch him. You know, their curiosity went out, but the Samaritan's heart went out to the man. That's what the scripture tells us here. You know, to treasure your neighbor, you'll invest in him. How many of you have a neighbor? And he says, it's not just your next door neighbor. It might be somebody you'd never met before, but it's somebody who comes in contact with you. Think about it. You know, to treasure our neighbor, to love him, You'll invest in them the way Jesus invested. He left his riches in glory. He left everything behind to come here to this planet. And he invested his lifeblood for you and me to rescue us, to forgive us, to cleanse us and all. Picking up at verse 37, it says, um, he just said, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked? Verse 37 says, the one who treated him kindly the religion scholar responded. And Jesus said, go and do the same. Treasure your neighbor. Go and treasure your neighbor. Treat your neighbor kindly is what he's talking about here. You know, um, let's look for opportunities. You ever see an opportunity, you know? And I'm, I'm telling you, this coming week, look for an opportunity. We don't look out. And I'll tell you how to discover them in just a wee bit. But look for an opportunity to be kind towards someone that God brings across your path, you know. Do you think we can do that? Yes. Do, do we just naturally always do that? Not necessarily. We're preoccupied. We're thinking about something else, you know. And nowadays, if we don't have to be driving or something, lots of times we're like here, ooh, you know. But God, he wants our hearts to go out to our neighbor's to make an eternal difference. He wants us to understand we belong to him, but we belong to the body of Christ. We really genuinely need each other. So can I ask you to do something else? So you can ask, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> this week, I want you to give away something of value to you. Not to the church, but to somebody. So what does value mean? You will determine that, you know. How many of you have something that's valuable? Fewest hands I've ever seen raised here. <laughs> I hope he's not going to ask me to do this. I hope he's not going to ask me to do that. What do we value? Uh, what if our investment in someone else's life calls them to think about how much God loves them? And that God would have the opportunity to fill that God-shaped hole in their life. Well, I'm just challenging you. Whether you do it or not, it's going to be your choice. But I'm going to challenge you to give something of value away to somebody this week. That's your choice, whether you do.
have an opportunity to show kindness and give something of value away to somebody, however you determine to do that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. How inventive can we be in encouraging others and, and showing love to other people? How inventive. I, I like the way he, he words that, you know. And I think we can do this this week. And then he goes on to say, not avoiding worshiping together as some do. But you know what would be an awesome thing this week to invite somebody because everybody has this God-shaped hole in them and no matter what material possession they have, they're empty until they find a relationship with Christ. But I would encourage you to reach out and invite a friend, an acquaintance, make a friend and do it, you know, to invite them. You know, lots of people this time of the year, holidays, they're a little empty and, and all, and they would go to church somewhere if someone invited them to go. And I want to ask you to get out of your comfort zone and invite someone. You know, we got five services this coming week, you know. The, the fifth one being the sunrise service at 545 on Sunday morning, you know. What else would you be doing anyhow than sleeping, you know, right? But reach out and invite somebody. Make an eternal difference in someone's life. Let them know. We got breakfast after sunrise service. Then we go to the teaching and the drama and all the worship and all. You know, great time. We've got stuff for the kids. They'll be doing. They'll have a great time. And it may very well be the first step and the key to someone coming and surrendering their life to Christ or getting back connected with Christ maybe after they've drifted off for just a wee bit. But he goes on and says, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. Do you know what it means when it's saying spurring each other on? It's encouraging. You ever see geese flying? You ever see them flying in that, that pattern that looks like a V? You know what that V stands for, right? Victory. Now, the geese may not know it, but I know it. That's what it stands for. To me. And that goose is in the front. He's up there. He's breaking the wind for everybody else. Just like a bicyclist. You know, uh, a bicycle can get behind another guy in front of him, and he can do what they call draft. And the guy in the front breaks the wind, and so the guy behind him can pedal longer and further. And it is a proven, you know, statistical fact that geese who fly in formation can fly 71% further than a goose that's flying all by himself. 71%. It's amazing. Because there's a guy in the front breaking the wind, and what happens is, you know, as he's breaking the wind and then he gets tired, he falls back in, in part of the V and someone else takes over. Now, we hear this because we live in an area where not too far away from a couple of different reservoirs and geese are coming and going all kinds of times, day and night. Have you ever heard a goose going, oh, 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 oh? You ever heard that? You know what he's saying, right? He's going, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. That's what he's honking. So when you see geese and you hear him honking, you know that's what they're telling the guy up front. You can do it. You can do it. And they're making record time. And you ever see geese, you know, probably like in the fall of the year, you see them when they're going down south and they're migrating, and you'll see those Vs are massive. And then another bunch of geese will tie on to the back of one of the sides of the V and make another one because they can accomplish so much more belonging to the flock than flying it on their own. And see, when you and I are connected to the body of Christ, we can accomplish a whole lot more with a whole lot less effort. We really can, and we need to be doing it. Another needs to be doing it for us. We need to be, oh, 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 oh. You can do it. You can do it. We need to be encouraging each other. Anybody here ever need some encouragement? Part of, being part of the body of Christ, we're there to encourage. And sometimes it's by discernment. You don't see it with your natural eye. But you just, you know, hey, I just, just want to encourage someone. I just want to say an encouraging word or thought. Or something like that to someone, you know. Uh, <clears throat> the Christian life is not so much about 
accomplishments. The Christian life is much more about relationships. And in relationships, we're going to, oh, oh, oh. We're going to encourage one another. And it's so important, it's so vital to belong and to be connected. And we can accomplish so much more in our lives if we're working as a team opposed to working just on our own. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, are we living in his light? If you're saying you're living in a relationship with God, then we have fellowship with each other. So if, if you go, well, I love God, but I, I don't belong. I'm not connected. I don't have any other believers that I'm associating with in any way. Well, it's really, it's not in your best interest. Things are a lot darker in your life and not clear as they could be. He says here, but if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. So if we're not having fellowship with each other, we're not living so much in the light, to be honest with you. Now, you know, I like historical uh, figures, and I read about history a lot. One of my favorite uh, historians there is one of our ex-presidents, you know. Well, you know, he's with Jesus now, but his name was Abraham Lincoln. I mean, was, I was so inspired by Abraham Lincoln. I really was, you know. But I want to tell you about one of my other historical heroes. His name's Winnie the Pooh. Okay. <laughs> and Winnie the Pooh deciding who to call on at lunchtime, and he's thinking to himself, he says, Tigger. No, yeah. yeah. no, 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 not, not Tigger. Owl. Ah, uh, no. Owl uses big words, hard to understand words. And then Pooh brightens up all of a sudden, you know. I know. I think I'll go see Rabbit. I like Rabbit. And I don't know, have you heard this in Winnie the Pooh? It says, Rabbit uses encouraging words. Like, how's about lunch? It's 11.49. I've had no breakfast yet. So if you said, how's about lunch, we can go right now, okay? Okay, I'll finish the message then, all right. But Winnie the Pooh says, if I know, I think I'll go see Rabbit. I like Rabbit. Rabbit uses encouraging words like, how's about lunch? And help yourself, Pooh. Yes, I think I'll go see Rabbit. You ever use encouraging words like that? Like, how's about a cup of coffee? You know? Y'all like coffee? Boy, that was lame. <laughs> we go through hundreds of pounds of coffee here, so I know you like it, you know? How's about a cup of coffee? Or, or what about if you said, hey, how's about a, a chocolate chip cookie? Gluten-free, of course. I'm going, absolutely. That's an encouraging word, you know? We ever offer encouraging words like that? Sometimes it don't have to be a lot. It can just be a little something where we can sit down together, you know, share our hearts together, maybe, you know, pray for one another or something or another. But I like the concept where Winnie the Pooh said, rabbit uses encouraging words. Like, how's about lunch? Are we, are you known to use encouraging words? And it might not be about lunch. It might just be another type of a word. It might be a scripture. It might be a, a little simple prayer you pray for somebody who's going through a difficult time in their own life right now. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, that's talking about if God is our Father, we're brothers and sisters. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, before going, I want to ask you a question. How many of you here have ever been overcome by some sin? Anybody? It's really all of us, to be honest with you. We've been overcome at some point in time. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, and here's a thought, if you really want to know who your friends are, just make a mistake. And they go criticizing and condemning and putting you down and pointing the finger, that ain't, that ain't a friend. So you make a mistake. 
Do they call the newspaper, well, let me tell you what she did, or let me tell you what he did. You know? That's really not a friend. It really isn't. But it says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are, what's that word? Godly. That means God-like. Just like Christian means Christ-like. You who are godly, you who are spiritual. Some translations actually say you who are spiritual. You who are spiritual should condemn that person. Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, we got to read that correctly, don't we? You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. The Good Samaritan helped a guy who had fallen on very hard times, helped him back onto the path. But if somebody has fallen into sin, discouraging them, will that help them? But if we go alongside them and we do our best with gentleness and humility, help that person back onto the right path. You know, uh, uh, a true friend loves you too much to see you in danger and just to be silent. You know, when I was growing up, there was a, a little cliche that was on the television all the time, and I'm sure it made its way up here, but it says, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Why? Because they're likely to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. So, well, they get mad. It's like a friend don't care if they get mad or not. They're not going to let them jeopardize their life or someone else's. Does that make sense? So you think about this for a moment, you know. He is your friend who pushes you or nudges you just a little bit closer to Jesus. And are you nudging people closer to Jesus? You know? So if some people say, well, stop preaching at me. Well, if you love people, you genuinely love them, they can, they can be critical, but it just breaks our heart if they go through the rest of their life without Christ. And we've got to use wisdom. You know, great wisdom on, on how to minister to folks like this, you know. But we need to give them hope, especially if they've fallen on hard times or they've fallen into sin somehow or another. But it says, and you always got to remember this, it says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself because none of us are immune to sin, are we? We're not immune to it. We got to be careful. We don't fall into the same kind of thing. And then he says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love one another. You know, bear one another's burdens. Help them when they're down. Help them. You know, not expose them, not to criticize and condemn them, but help them. And I encourage you this week, I'm asking you to do a lot of things. I know. To show kindness to someone. I'm asking you to give something of value away to someone, you know. But I'm going to encourage you, um, find someone to mentor. So what, what do you mean? Well, you mentor someone, you're teaching them something that you know that maybe they don't know yet. Maybe it's about Christ, maybe it's about other areas of their life and all. But, you know, I want to challenge you, find someone that you can mentor, that you can Oh, oh, oh. You can encourage. Because to be honest with you, you can pour whatever it is that you have into them if they don't have it already. But let's just think about others, that we truly belong to one another. Well, going back to uh, verse 3 here in Galatians 6, verse 3, it says, Share each other's burdens, and in the, this way, obey the law of Christ. And verse 3 says, If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. And then Galatians 6 verse 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. Do we ever get tired? Be honest here. You ever get tired of doing good? We just get tired of doing good and we're just preoccupied. I just want to, I want to do anything good right now. You know, I just want to sit down and relax, you know, and I'm just tired of it. But the reason we would get tired of doing something good is because we forget the goal. We, we forget what we're going to reap out of it, what's going to happen because of it. It says, so let's not get tired 
of doing what is good. And when you're doing something that's good, you will see and benefit, you'll reap a changed life. And when you're doing something good for other people, not only will it change their life, but by us doing something good, it changes our life. We become healthier, not sick as often. Our immune system is tweaked. When we begin to show kindness and goodness to other people. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Changing lives. And when we keep that, say, you know what? What I'm doing is changing people's lives. It's worth it. We'll not give up. Not only does it benefit them, but it, it changes me as well. Verse 10 says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and do you know how to spot an opportunity? It's very easy, you know. A need provides an opportunity. So you're in a grocery store. You're getting your groceries. It's kind of busy. You know, everybody's getting ready for Easter dinner or whatever. And you're there, and there's a lady there, and she's counting out all her coupons and got her money up there and her change, and she falls $11 short. She's short 11 bucks that she does not have. Other people could get grumpy and, hey, what are you doing? Or you could just graciously say, I'd love to take care of that for you. You know, just hush it all up, cover her, you know. You're, you're ministering to her. Your heart goes out to her. How would you feel if all of a sudden you got to the grocery store and all your stuff is there, and maybe you just left your pocketbook at home, but you fell a few dollars short? How would you feel? Hurt, embarrassed, exposed? What if someone just came and said, hey, I got it here. We got this. Everything's fine. Moving right along. Would that encourage you? Yeah. She's like, oh, God, thank you for sending that person around at just that right time, you know, because your heart goes out to them. Christ's heart goes out to people. The Good Samaritan's heart went out to people, and God wants our heart to go out to the people that's in our sphere of influence, not just our curiosity, on what they're doing, you know but to get involved. It says uh, about sharing each other's burdens, you know, in this way, obey the law of Christ. Don't get tired of doing what's good. We read that, you know. Hmm. What's that old saying? It says something like, uh, a friend in need is a friend indeed. All of a sudden, you've got a need. It's like, where do all my friends go? Might not have been so much of a friend after all. <laughs> but when you got a, a need, it's just like, you know, their heart goes out to you. And somehow they want to help you. Somehow. They might not be able to meet the whole need, but they can do a little something. And it shows that somebody cares. Therefore, it says in verse 10 there in Galatians 6, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and the opportunity is visible when you see a person in need. It might be they're sick. They might just need some prayer. I might need some encouragement, some coach or something. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to members of our family. What's it say? Do good to who? Everyone. Especially to those in the family of faith. But it says to everyone. To everyone, whether they are or not, but especially to believers that you know are putting their trust in God that you are doing life together with. You belong to. But he says we need to be good to everyone, to be honest with you. And doesn't Jesus take it personal? He says, when you help someone out, you're doing it as unto me. And I can tell you, if, if one of my kids was out and they were having some car trouble and broke down the side of the road and you stopped and helped them, do you think it would mean anything to me? It'd be a whole lot more important to me for you to stop and help my kids than you even do it for me. And Jesus says, when you help somebody else, one of my kids, you did it unto me personally. Jesus takes it personal. And one of the greatest ways to witness for Christ is to become a friend. To become a friend, especially if there's a need there, but to come, become a, a friend. 
go our, our way. And you and I know we could, we could make a dozen friends today if we wanted to, but it takes an investment of time, energy, maybe a cup of coffee, you know. But we should be making friends and honking encouragement to each other. We really should. Well, I shared this uh, passage uh, last week briefly, but let me just read it again. It says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And the best way, you know, to make friends is just to, to be one. Someone made me a T-shirt like that once upon a time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, oh, forgiving one another. Does anybody hurt you? I mean, they're just really a, they're just really a dirty, low-down scoundrel. You know what I'm talking about? And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Have you ever been a dirty, low-down scoundrel before? Yeah. I don't want to say it. <laughs> well, have you ever needed God to forgive you? Has he? Yes. So he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. How many friends do you have? You can have as many as you want. A few years ago at the Seattle Special Olympics, nine contestants, all physically or mentally challenged, they assembled at the starting line for the 100-yard dash. At the gun, boom, the contestants all started out, not exactly in a dash, but with a relish to run the race to the finish and win. All that is except one boy who stumbled on the starting line on the track. He tripped and rolled over a couple of times, and he began to cry. The others who were running ahead of the boy heard him crying, so they slowed down and they looked back at him. And then they all turned around. How many of them? And then they all turned around, and they went back, all of them. Every one of them. One girl with Down syndrome, she bent down and kissed him and said, this will make it much better. <laughs> Let me tell you, some folks declare certain people are handicapped, but I think it's we who are handicapped when we can't express our love, that we don't understand how we do belong and how we can allow our heart to go out to other people. Anyhow, that's what she did, and she said, you know, this will make it all better. And then all nine of these kids linked arms and walked together back to the finish line. Everyone in the stadium stood and cheered for over 10 minutes. People who were there still talk about what happened. Why? Because deep down we know this one thing. What matters in this life is much more than winning for ourselves. What truly matters is helping others win. What's it like when you help somebody else to win? You know, I know my brother, uh, Wally, and we get together once a year occasionally and all, and he's quite an accomplished fisherman, you know. He's my younger brother, you know, but you know what? He loves to take people hunting and fishing, and the greatest joy he gets out of it is them catching one of their first and biggest fish helping other people to win. It's not all about what I can do for me, but what can we do for other people? Do you enjoy helping other people to win? That's what Christ wants to do for us. And we can make more friends in two years by being interested in them than we can, I'm sorry, in two months than in two years by trying to get people interested in us. Now you get interested in others and you help them to succeed. And uh, here, here's a, a, a little statement. I want you to think about this for this coming week. If you were another person, if you weren't you, if you weren't the you who's sitting right there right now, if you were another person, would you want to be your friend? That's pretty deep. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to be my friend if I was somebody else, you know. 
Think about that. Chew on that for just a little bit. You know, you may not be a Bible scholar. You may not be able to lead the worship or run the sound equipment and, and all that stuff up there. But are you friendly? We can all do that, can't we? And that's what really makes the biggest difference of all. If every Christian were as friendly as you are, think about this, would people come back here after they visited Faith Living Church? If everybody here was as friendly as you. You're very quiet here today. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully they would. So this is not, I, I've heard it a lot and I've corrected a lot of people. Pastor Ryan's really been good since I've been part of your church. I'm going like, whoops, stop, hold it right there. Ain't mine. This is our church. Can we say it together? Our church. And we need to get out of our comfort zone and we need to invite people to become uh, a part of or experience uh, special services that we do. And maybe that God-shaped hole in them can be filled with the knowledge of Christ. Anyhow, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, it says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily, which means I've willingly and, and gladly done this, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. And you know what? The greatest wealth in this world is not measured in terms of riches, but in terms of relationships. And you can be just as rich in relationships as you want to be. And it's healthy for you. It's good for you. And I'm going to tell you, the gospel is presented the most effective way, the most successful in relationships. That's how we share the gospel. It spreads through relationships. Well, over here at 1 Corinthians 9, 19, it says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. And then it explains them. Verse 20 says, the religious, the non-religious, the meticulous, moralist, loose-living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. He said, I volunteer to be a serpent to reach anybody, anywhere, anyway, at any time, is what he says. And then he qualifies it. In verse 22, he says, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearing in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. That's what Christ did for us, didn't he? He entered our world to reach us. He says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I wanted to be in on the action. I wanted to touch a life. I wanted to change a life. And so I served in order to do that. Let me see here. There's one. You know what this is? A domino. What can this domino do? Not much. Okay, that's the answer I'm looking for. Not much. Need it. Okay. Let's see here. What can this domino over here do? 
Not much. What can that one do? It can touch another domino into actions, into motion. It can carry on what happened to me. I can touch someone else, and they can touch someone else, and they can touch someone else, and we can touch the whole world. But if I'm here overall by myself, don't really accomplish much on my own, do I? Well, when you leave for just a few minutes, the ushers will be at all the doors, and I might have done this once before years ago, I'm not sure, but our ushers are going to give everybody a domino to take home with you. And you should put it somewhere where you'll see it periodically, and it will remind you, if you don't already have one, it's just like, touch someone's life today. And it might just be one. But then they'll touch someone else, and then they'll touch someone else, and then they'll touch someone else, and then they'll touch someone else. And there's going to be an awesome, fantastic chain reaction, you know? That's why I ask you right now, whose life are you touching right now? Think about it. Whose life are you touching? Maybe it's only one. Maybe it's a couple. Maybe it's a hundred. Maybe it's a thousand. But even touching one, and they touch someone, and they touch someone, it, it just multiplies. And the, you know, uh, the effect is far-reaching. Some of you are touching people in Ethiopia right now, all the kids that we help there. Maybe you're touching some who don't know Christ. You're just trying to lead them to Christ. But everybody can touch someone. It says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says, love from the center of who you are. Romans 12, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle, you know? You don't always have to be first, do we? No, we don't, you know? Remember the dominoes, you know? They're all important, each and every one. And it says in verse 11, don't burn out, keep yourselves fueled in a flame. You know, that's what God's word and his love and all. Be alert, servants of the master. Hmm. Remember, he is a friend who pushes you a little closer to God. He is a friend who nudges you a little closer to God. It's so important. It really is. And, you know, they're kind of like this. You know what these are? Marbles. You ever play marbles, you know? These marbles are hard, independent, and unconnected. Although you put them in a bag, they are not connected. You know, they're in there. They're independent. On their own accord. You know what I'm talking about. I got some other kind of marbles here. Kind of looks like a marble. Ah. I sure love when I can eat during a sermon. <laughs> you know? Wow. Look at these rascals. These are Welch's grapes. Huh? That's what it says on the box there. It's amazing, you know? But do you see that they, they're alive? They're connected. You see that? They're not independent. They're connected. And if you really benefit by them. You squish them and you make some good old Welch's grape juice, you know, all of them working together make an awesome product. I, I, one of my favorites is grape jelly. You know, it's like, wow. It's a shame to have these and somebody not try to see if they're any good or not, you know. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hard, independent, unconnected, or are you more like this, these luscious grapes? Some of the things I have to do to illustrate things, you know, for you guys. Mmm. 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 Mmm.
How's about some grapes? <laughs> you know? Wow. They are here at the end of the service. I told the last two services, I have more services, so I got to give them away now. Because <laughs> there's no more. But would you try to remember to go out of your comfort zone to be kind to people this week? Would you go out of your way? Seriously consider it. I know you want to try to forget about it, but give something of value away. Whatever you determine is value. Would you try to mentor someone? Could you honk at somebody? Now, you might get in trouble if somebody's going down the road and you're going, honk, honk, honk. They may not understand that right off. So it would need some explanation. You understand what I'm saying. But encourage somebody. But every time you see a goose, may it encourage you to encourage others. When you look at your domino, may it encourage you to touch somebody, to nudge someone just a little closer to God. And I'm going to challenge you. This is a biggie. Get out of our comfort zone. Let's invite somebody to be at church with us next week. It's the greatest holiday of all times when we can access the resurrection power of Christ for our own self, for our own family. It can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. So I challenge you, get out of your comfort zone. There's people out there going, I'd go to church if I just knew where to go. I don't really go, and no one's really invited me, and I feel awkward. I don't know how to act or what to do. And, but if you get out of your comfort zone and say, hey, why don't you join us at church this week? It'll be fun, you know? Pastor does crazy, stupid stuff, you know, and <laughs> you'll enjoy it. But really, get out of our comfort zone and let God use you to touch someone else. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for sending your son and for forgiving us for our sins. We thank you that we really do believe the best is yet to come. And we're not going to focus in on the difficulties. We're going to focus in on the positive of your promises. Father, open our eyes and give us discernment. Show us the needs around about us. And thank you that you've invited us to take advantage of opportunities on your behalf. Now, as our heads are bowed, I would ask you if you would, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ with me right now? And would you declare your faith in Christ if you don't know him already? But would you join as we pray here together? today. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me. And I believe that he did raise from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.